Good evening. This is the Peasant's Apprentice. I am Scoot, and on this special episode, I am joined by none other than fellow Substacker and good friend, Walter Cantu. Welcome, Walter. Thank you for having me. So glad to be here. Um, it, this was uh, really uh, kind of your idea, at least this topic that we're going to be talking about. Um, but before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of um, what you had brought up, uh, tell the good people uh, a little bit about what you're, what you're writing about on Substack. If you, if you guys don't know Walter, you're missing out. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I write uh, Peregrino is the name of my publication, which is a newsletter about the journey. And um, I started it as a way to have a creative outlet. And um, eventually it became a, a way for me to, to write personal essays. And I am in the process of finishing a, a serialized memoir called 40 Before 40, which now the name doesn't make a lot of sense because I'm already 40 and I didn't finish it. That's well, 40, 40 essays. Unacceptable, I know. <laughs> um, 40 essays before I turned 40. So I'm at 37. Um, sorry, 33. So there's seven left. Uh, hopefully by the time that you listen to this, there will be less left. Um, but um, Peregrino is basically my uh, my way to uh, organize my thoughts in writing. And obviously it's heavily Catholic. And I talk about Catholicism and I talk about um, parenting and cocktails. I talk about a lot about alcohol. For whatever reason, sometimes I'm, I wonder if people think that I have a problem. Uh, so far, so good from where I'm sitting. Honestly, like it, it looks like a lot of fun. I used to be a lot more <laughs> in details, so I'm I'm uh, very envious of uh, uh, your uh, uh, your bar setup. So it, it's been great. <laughs> but yeah, that that is Peregrino, and um, yeah, if, if uh, thank you for the recommendation, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, and and you've written, um, you've done a guest post for readers here at the Peasant Times Dispatch before. Um, you did, it was the Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. You wrote a that's a, right, um, and it was one of my most popular articles for the longest time. So um, I'm a fan of your work. I know my readers are a fan of your work. So um, I know there's been some new people that have come in. Um, so anyone unfamiliar with me, anyone unfamiliar with Walter, check him out because uh, uh, it's it's great. There poignant reads they're insightful reads um it's wonderful so um again thank you th thank you for uh, uh contributing your talents to the peasant times dispatch um because we're always better for it so i appreciate it happy to do so so you reached out uh, a couple months ago i guess at this point um mm -hmm. and we've been ruminating on this for a while and the way that you phrased the question was um something like five five things that help keep your faith alive i think uh, you know some, something well, like can i give some back backstory to that please, please. so um before hambone uh, retreat to the sticks where where he lives uh, and left notes for for good which is what a wise man i i, I wish i was like uh, as brave as he is if you're listening hambone hat tip to you um i'll definitely talk Go ahead. I'll, I'll definitely share this with him. <laughs> so we were talking about the show alone. It came up in, in notes. 
and um, Deanna, my wife, and I are big fans of Alone, um, especially the the ones that in in the Antarctic, and um, oh, sorry, the Arctic Circle, not the Antarctic. Um, a, little a little different kind of survival scenario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, in the show, they allow participants to take ten items for their survival. Um. And I had this idea for an essay about 10 items that I would need to keep to to keep my faith alive, to survive my faith. But then you up the ante and we made it a shorter list, five things. And and I think the rule is that they couldn't be books because that, that threw me for the spin, to be honest with you. Yeah. So the the books thing, I've 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 thought a lot about like the five books that you know desert your desert island books right and, uh, i think i've seen conversations about that but i hadn't seen this um this kind of other side of the coin of um non-book because like uh, you can there you can go back and forth with anybody there are a lot of really well-read people on substack and there's so yeah. many books there's so many good books um a lot of things that we can learn from so it's it, it, it would be almost impossible to narrow down i mean i guess not impossible um, to, to, to narrow down a list uh, uh, of books, but I was re I was really curious by this thought of like what are the what are the things what are the objects what are the other ancillary items of faith that we keep around us that we almost don't even think about. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm I'm really uh, excited to hear your list, and I, I'm interested to share my list as well. But um, before before we get to the list, I have uh, some context that I, I was telling you about. I think before we started recording. Um, so here's, let me set up a scenario for you. Okay. In Japan, um, early colonial history, the Portuguese, the Dutch, other, you know, European nations were finding Japan and trading with them and, um, you know, directly with sea trade. And as part of that cultural exchange, um, Catholicism was, had a, a early start in Japan. This was maybe, 15th 16th century okay but then shortly after that um you know established you know, they established this kind of nascent faith community and then japan uh closes their borders to to trade to foreigners they become kind of imperial japan in, in the way that we kind of understand them and, and know about them okay so these early christians and catholics were isolated from the rest of the world for 250 years oh damn and they, they kept um, baptism, they kept the proper form for baptism, and they kept the liturgical calendar with no connection to Rome, no new, no new bishops, um, you know, no new uh, vocations, no new priests, because obviously without bishops to consecrate, then th that was, there was nothing much that they could do. Baptism is about all that they could do. So for 250 years, they kept this together, and they were persecuted too. I, when I was uh, Googling about this, I found like there were like... Uh, uh, buddha statues that had a crucifix hidden on the back um huh. so that was just really fascinating so if 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 we found ourselves like this this desert island scenario is not so far flung with the various persecutions that have happened in history um there is theoretically a possibility that we may find ourselves in a situation where we need to keep our faith alive and we don't have a community to be able to rely on to help help keep it alive so what mm -hmm. do we what do we turn to um, yeah, so so that's kind of the the scenario. So, Walter, what are, what are some what are, 
do you want to go through one one at a time, or do you want to go through the whole list and and let's, we'll talk about them? Let's do one and one. Okay, fair enough. So so what's your number one uh, item that you had on your list? Oh, a crucifix. Mine too. That was. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess a logical a logical decision, but what, what was uh what what was your thought process for putting the crucifix on number one? I think um, the crucifix is to me it's just a, um, a reminder of you know the price that was paid for my sins and my salvation, um, and also you can do hours of meditation. Uh, like Visio Divina, just by looking at the crucifix. Um, and it's so Catholic, you know. It's uh, one, one time I went to a, um, a men's conference here in Phoenix, and uh, the MC was saying, like, we are raffling this crucifix. And remember, if it doesn't have the corpse on it, it's not Catholic. So I thought that was like a very interesting distinction to make. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you can have a cross, but if you have a crucifix, which has uh, the the body uh, of Jesus on it, hanging from it, that's like the B reminder of um, what he did, the maximum sacrifice that he did for our salvation. Yeah, I think that's, uh, those are really excellent points. I like that you mentioned, um, meditation that's something that i've been thinking a lot about and i don't know that i've really done that intentionally just kind of looking at it at visio divina as you described it mm -hmm. um looking at the crucifix and meditating on just the reality of it this actually happened we murdered god and this is the reminder that we have for it but also in doing so we he he threw open the gates of heaven for us so it's yeah. fascinating kind of conflicting feeling but at the same like that's that conflicting feeling is seeded throughout the gospels it's kind of like we did this thing we were responsible for it but also you know oh happy fault what a, what a blessing that this that we did that we did do this that christ did offer himself so that we can uh you know attain the fruits of heaven yeah the, we it gained us such a great redeemer yes amen um, so that's that's great. That's your your thoughts are are, are similar to my own on, on putting the crucifix. I'd say I would only add um, that like an exercise that I just went through this past December, I guess for Advent, was uh -huh. I put crucifixes in in more of the rooms. I only had one before, so now I've got one um, above my television, one in my office, and one in my bedroom. So basically, you know, any given room in my apartment, I've, there's a crucifix that that's visible, um, and nice. I think. Just the having it visible makes it a a present. It's it's a reminder both of us turning our thoughts to Christ, but also a reminder that Christ is looking at us too. Like we are visible to Him as much as He's visible to us. Um, so that's something yeah. that I like. Well, I should put one on top of the TV. So it's like, how much time are you wasting watching this idiot <laughs> box? God is yeah. watching at you. We, if if you ever come to visit Phoenix and, and and you come into our home, you'll probably see that there's no doubt that this is a Catholic home. <laughs> <laughs> like the the amount of we have a an icon corner and um, several different things that um, just scream Catholic. Um, but yeah, 
it, it it's kind of uh, it, oddly enough we have two crucifixes in the whole house i think um we should have good. more there's there's there well i i wanted to say there's no such thing as too many but i did have a friend who had like, <laughs> like hundreds and they like crowded crowded their walls with one obviously very meaningful my friend had them very uh -huh. tasty done but um but yeah it can like, be done tastefully i'm sure um there it, it's yeah i i'm, I'm definitely a, a a minimalist in in a, in a certain regard where i like having like just enough to to remind you but also like making it obvious has like having a very catholic house in in, in the sense that you described like when you have guests like you just wrote an article recently about or i think your, your wife did your wife wrote an article um, right. at her stack about having um like 50 people over um yeah it was kind of crazy people, like pass passively evangelized by looking at all the things that you have in your home and that's another um great uh uh reason to have a crucifix to have many crucifixes um scattered throughout your home so that people can look at it and wonder what that's all about yes absolutely so let's let's um crucifix is number one so so what have you got as your your second item on your, oh, your five list my rosary awesome same what <laughs> i feel like this is gonna be a very predictable episode it was like oh they totally are pretending that they well, didn't talk to each other before they started recording and all think, of a sudden i think there's some room for some 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 uh, differences on three four and five i think we're hitting true. the base one and two but i'm i'm really curious where, where you go with the rest of the list but but for rosary now, what, what what is it that you got? What was your thought process there? So okay, so I I did my consecration to Jesus through Mary about five years ago. Was the first time that I did it, and um, I have a big devotion to Mary. Thanks to my wife Deanna, by the way. Um, she gave me Fulton Sheen's book, um, "The World's First Love." I think oh, it's the title of the book. Yes. That's a, that's... It's a good one. Um, so I think the, the rosary is just a beautiful prayer to to contemplate, to meditate on the life of of, of Jesus and the and and Mary and in the plan of salvation. Um, and because thinking about it, if you're like in a deserted island and you don't have like a, a missile or a uh, um, Liturgy of the Hours volumes, um, I know the rosary, and I, I know the prayers by heart. So why can I pray by heart the rosary? Um, I can also use the beads of the rosary to pray the Jesus prayer. Um, and sometimes I use my rosary as a chotki instead of um, a prayer rope. Uh, are, are you familiar with, with uh, prayer ropes? Um. I think so. Refresh my memory, uh, just and for any readers or listeners who may be unfamiliar as well. So it's an Eastern Orthodox um, um, sacramental. So basically, monks that were um, uh, didn't know how to uh, read or write, they couldn't participate in the liturgy um, how the other monks did. So what they would do is they would have like a, a prayer rope, which is a rope with 150 uh, knots. Some of them have 150, some of them have 33. Um, 
33 because of the age of Christ, 150 for the Psalms. And what you would do is you would pray, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And um, this prayer would just become your meditation. And, and that's also my go-to prayer most times when I'm like stuck and distracted. I just keep on repeating that with the beads in the rosary. Um, so I, I would say a rosary because you can pray the rosary with it and you can also pray the, the Jesus prayer and you have that, uh, like the physicality of having, holding something while you're praying and moving it along. It's more like um, like a fidget spinner, <laughs> but like a holy one. Well, and it's got a, it's got a crucifix on it. Many of them have, um, that too. Have, uh, uh, saint medals or miraculous medal or other things on them as well. Um, I, I think that was, I, 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 I like the, um, point about the, it, it kind of mirrors the 150 Psalms. I think I've heard it referred to as, um, if I guess, pardon the turn of phrase but like it's it's the the peasants psalter because yeah, like it people is don't, people don't you, you don't have to uh uh you know or maybe you couldn't read and you didn't know you know all 150 psalms by heart but you can pray the rosary and you can guide yourself through through the gospels and you can um you know have that same like 150 meditations um over the course of however long that you do it i guess like there's a different mystery for each day of the week so it, it just in having that one item the rosary you get not only just the rosary itself the the prayers of the rosary but you get there's some structure to your week so you know yeah uh, what mystery you pray for each day of the week there's different prayers the jesus prayer as you said um, the, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Um, there's other devotions that use the the Rosary, um, so it 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 it's, it gives you access to um, prayers that are rooted in rooted in faith and remind you of the story of the gospel. Um, I mean, if you can pass down the Rosary to to the next generation, if you're in a situation like the early Christians in Japan. You know, they'll get the entire story of Jesus. Yeah. They'll get everything. So it's 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 there's catechesis to it as well. Um, so I think that's that's really cool, and I think that makes it really effective for this kind of like desert island scenario that we're talking. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but it's, it is a catechism in and of itself. Yeah. So I think that's I, I think that's one of the, the things that makes the rosary great is it's just it it does so much. It's it's like you said, it's tactile, um, but it does it it reminds us of the whole story so um yes yeah great 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 choice for for the number two spot so all right i think we're going to get some differences here okay. um what's what's your number three um my brown scapular dang it <laughs> <laughs> all right I, I also, you have a devotion for our lady of mount carmel as well uh not i i wouldn't say so much like our lady of mount Car carmel um i just i i the brown scapular is very important to me um, itself. So I, I honestly, I don't know very much about it. So um, I'm curious, did, did your devotion or did your kind of using the brown scapular or I guess wearing the brown scapular, did that come first from a devotion to Our Lady of Mount Carmel or did that come from like just from learning about it and wanting to have it and then kind of going deeper from there? Um, 
Well, it, it is uh, part of it was the the book that I mentioned earlier uh, about uh, Fulton Sheen and uh, you know the different apparitions of Our Lady, um, and well, you know the, the Carmelites are like very hardcore in their um, spirituality. I aspire to one day be as uh, as hardcore as them because you yeah. know you got um you had Teresa of avila um saint Teresa of Lisieux, saint john of the cross giants of you know the the, the communion of saints um Absolutely. who were very close to jesus and um their order you know it it has a um, the Brown Scapular, I think that uh, 1251, um, our, our, our Lady appeared to St. Simon Stock, and, who was a Carmelite himself, and then told him about the, the Brown Woolen Scapular, and pretty much tell him that um, this would be a, a privilege for you and the Carmelites, that anyone dying in, in this habit shall not suffer eternal fire. And that promise to me... Um, Means means the world. And also, John Paul, uh, Saint John Paul II, Saint John Paul the Great. Um, he he was like a big time fan of the Brown Scapular. When he went into the ER, uh, the uh, not the ER, well, probably the ER, but the uh, the operating room when he was shot in mm-hmm. in the 90s, uh, he requested specifically to uh, allow them. Uh, the, the doctors allow him to wear his brown scapular during the the surgery, so wow. that yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, if it's good to, if it if it's good for him, it's good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that promise. Um, the I'm, well, I forget the phrasing. That what is it? Who 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 dies wearing this habit shall not suffer eternal fire. Correct. Uh, that's that's so, uh, that. I'm trying to think of a way to say this, but it, like it, it, that's something that I think about a lot, especially like I converted um, to Catholicism in 2018. Okay. There's a lot of things that like, you know, weigh on my conscience and there's a lot of like just uncertainty, I guess. And, uh, you know, especially as I was kind of learning the faith and I, I picked up the Brown scapular, I think not long after I converted, it might've been like 2019, beginning of 2019 um, that I, uh, uh, start or that I started wearing it and um it's 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 value to me is in kind of the the comfort of that promise it's also a reminder to to devotion to our lady um for sure it's the it's 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 mildly uncomfortable when you start wearing it um before you get used to it and all that and um so like it's a little bit of mortification involved in there kind of a, a reminder um to, to turn our turn our attention to Christ, um, so it, it it serves multiple functions as well, um, and so I like it for that purpose. And like especially on, on like a desert island scenario, it's it, it, it's it's a, it's a way of um, kind of taking taking suffering and remembering that it's that like suffering isn't everything, and that we can offer it to God. Um, it's kind of an oblique way of reminding me of that, but still like it, it's, there are times where I, I, um, you know, I'll, I'll feel it around my neck and I will 
like remember it'll kind of like change my change my disposition you know whatever i'm thinking about at the time oh absolutely yeah i think that um once i got it imposed by the priest because i don't know if you did this but there's like a whole like little ritual that you do yes. around it yeah. um I, I and, and uh you know just the mind is like almost tattered i kind of want to get a new one but uh, this one is it's so tiny like my scapular is probably like i don't know uh half an inch by a quarter of an inch uh piece of uh, of wool so it's, it's very very minimal um and um and i don't know where i bought it and i don't know if i can find it again but some people wear like those like it's almost like a, a the size of a a letter piece of paper oh wow uh, like 8.5 by 11 <laughs> i've wow. seen people that wear those <laughs> huge scapular and i'm like wow okay you really want protection against um eternal fire um, coverage yeah full coverage um <laughs> which is totally fine and and they are not like me that i'm like oh it's like the tag of my t-shirt is showing you know if when the like the tip of the scapular in the back is 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 um, around my neck and outside of my um uh, my shirt or whatever uh that it's more visible and if there's people that maybe once or twice some people don't really care it's like what why do you wear that why do you have that piece of wool and i was like oh it's a brand scapular it's the washington or lady this and that so it's like a good example so or yeah. like a good invitation for evangelization and i go back and forth between this, if i should get like one that's slightly bigger so it can be more noticeable so people who know ah that's the brand scapular so so because if people see me wearing a brown scapular who that know what the brown scapular is they will expect me to behave a certain way because i will be identified as a catholic you know yeah that's true it's uh it, it's a i don't know it's uh, identifying yourself as a catholic in both the like among Catholics, like, yes, like, I, I, I am, I am a Catholic, and I live as a Catholic, and I'm kind of in the world as a Catholic, but then right. also in, in the sense of, um, like, introducing yourself to strangers, and, and they know you, like, the, the first two things they know about you are your name, and that you're Catholic, and, <laughs> right, like, that's, that, that, honestly, that's a good thing, like, that's, that's, that's passive catechesis, passive evangelism, um, and what they they have they walk away from an interaction with you with something in their mind that they can google brown scapular what the heck is a brown scapular right Type yeah i mean it could i mean it, another way that i see it that i didn't want to say it but i'm just going to say it for kicks it's like it's kind of insurance <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. slightly no, it, it it it's uh uh and that's a that's a scary thing i mean that's that goes it you know, is or last things you know thinking about um you know the death judgment heaven and hell um it almost yep. like provided you have the devotions and and you know fulfill fulfill your end of the bargain that takes at least one of those things off the table but you still got to go through death and judgment and and you know purgatory towards heaven exactly so, uh, it's a uh it that that's there, there's a peace of mind to that so not i don't think I don't think we're, we're ever 
allowed to say that it's a sure thing, but it it, it certainly helps <laughs> helps point in that direction. Yeah, aim for heaven, and if you don't cut it, you can land in purgatory. Yes. <laughs> so don't aim for purgatory because if you miss purgatory, you don't want to fall where you with the the other option. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a good way of thinking about it. Aim right. for heaven. So yeah. the next thing down, you can still you can still hit that. Yeah, it's your safety net. Yeah. All right. Let's um let's let's see what number four is. Let's see if oh, we can gosh. finally differentiate ourselves. If we have the same one on number four, that we should just call it. People are gonna think that this is rigged. Okay, for number the fourth one, I have a, an icon. Okay, did you specify anything about the icon? No, I didn't specify which one. Did okay. you specify one? I so I said uh, like uh, our an image or a statue of Our Lady. Oh, nice. So, okay, so so. Icons, icon, icons are interesting, and that's something that I don't know a lot about. This kind of, I know there's a, like creating them is a prayer, as I understand them, and something about. Anyway, can can you tell me more about icons and kind of? You mentioned that you have a lot of them, so like, how do you use them? Yeah. Um, so, icons are a prayer. Um, I think if I, um, if I remember this correctly, when, when I was doing uh, Barbatu's Catholic podcast, uh, before I started this Substack, I interviewed um, this um, icon iconographer. Her name is uh, Vivian Imbruglia, and she is in Southern California. Um, I have a whole interview with her, but it, it, it's kind of mind-blowing how the process is all a prayer. So really, it's kind of like um, the, the icon is meant to be a, a prayer and for a prayer. So it, her process is um, basically soaked in, in, in prayer and, and trying to channel whatever the spirit is moving her to like use uh, forms and shapes and colors for, um, for classical iconography. Uh, and it's not much um uh, you don't paint icons you you draw icons like hmm. taking things out of in, in that sense not like drawing but like you're uh, drawing doodles so um, you're, you're uh, uh kind of i'm you're like like in the sense of like drawing water out of a well correct icon in that sense yes and um so it, it's meant for whoever is looking at the icon to take them to prayer so um i have an icon of, we have several icons of the holy family um have an icon of the martin family uh, Celie, louis therese and her sisters and siblings um which is one of the the, the prettier ones that we have and we have icons for the kids uh patron saints um, Augustine, uh, Ambrose, Therese. Uh, we don't have one for Jerome. It's like the fourth kid always gets the <laughs> the worst <laughs> treatment. Sorry, Mateo, we're going to get you uh, an icon for your patron saint. But um, I, I one icon that I really love, um, I think it would have to be something related with like the resurrection. Or 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 the Jesus the teacher, um, uh, that would be one that uh, 
would be interesting to have just to have like an image of the face of God, the face of Jesus, you know? Yeah. Is that like just in, in the kind of desert island scenario, you're saying that's something that would be important to you to, to have? Yeah, I think that that um, kind of like in the same vein as the uh, the crucifix, but I guess that the icon would be, well, it is prayer in and of itself. So kind of to have a, a visio divina, like make the, the a, a certain corner of the island, like the icon corner, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the prayer so corner. How 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 do you uh, uh, or I guess how would you recommend someone who doesn't someone like me who doesn't know a lot about icons like how how would you recommend someone like begin understanding icons and using icons to enhance their prayer life? Oh yeah, um, well, I guess that interview that I mentioned would be. <laughs> Can you put links? Yeah, okay. put links. I'll send you the link because that's, that's a really interesting conversation. And it actually was one of like the most popular episodes that we ever <laughs> recorded when I had the podcast. Okay, um, I think that um, if you have a patron saint or if you want an image of Christ that that is, um, um, you know, there, there's also like all of these nuances to how the images are. Uh, represented in icons like the eyes are bigger um, mainly because um, that person who usually is a saint or, or, or blessed um, it's probably not probably it's already um, experiencing the beatific vision that's why the eyes are bigger oh uh, yeah so there's little details like that and and um, like the use of colors like uh, saint joseph is always portrayed in like earth colors like browns and greens and things like that our lady you know it's like it's kind of sound like a mean girls kind of reference but on saturdays we wear blue for mary um so those, those kind of things that there are little details um that uh, are attached to like art there's a, uh, a really good book that diana was reading and she was telling me about um, I think it's how Catholic, how the Catholic Church saved art, or or the other way around, how art saved the Catholic Church. I'll, I'll have to uh, tell you after, after we finish the recording what's the actual title of the book. But it just goes through the history of how um, all of this art was created um, to be a catechism, just like w the conversations that we've been having about stained glass. Similar. Right. Um, something that you can, you as you're kind of walking around a, a, a church or a cathedral, you see these images and they call your mind higher, call your mind to God, call your mind to the saints. Um, and icons so, specifically are not paintings, right? So right. a painting, it's a, you know, it's a piece of art, uh, beauties in the eye of the beholder all, all of these things and obviously having like i don't know a painting by caravaggio would be fantastic but um i think that because the icon in a way has like that um element of prayer to it it to me it elevates it a little bit more that you know it's, it's it has a really interesting as a, a specific 
objective for its being like art is, is beautiful to behold but an icon it's not just a piece of art it's 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 an um it's a sacramental basically to help you get closer to god so it has a, a function in uh, beauty so yeah well and and what that just reminds me of is that there's something for um everyone there's something for everyone yeah. in, that speaks to everyone's kind of mind and point of view there's some people might not be moved by art but they might be moved by by books and some people might not be moved by books but they might be moved by by icons so there's there's or statues there's, or statues yes exactly yeah. so there's there's um something out there that will speak to the creative heart of any any person of faith and it's just a matter of like finding those things so i really i have i have not thought of icons in as much detail as you have given me in this uh, conversation so i'm 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 looking forward to looking into icons some more just kind of them being prayers and not necessarily being art is just such a fascinating idea to me that i, I just i'm i'm having trouble wrapping my head around so i think i'll, I'll be um, looking into these more for sure yeah, um, if you want to start with one that, that is really fascinating, it's, it's called uh, Christ Pantocrator, P-A-N-T-O-C-R-A-T-O-R. So Christ Pantocrator is this icon that if um, it's literally means ruler of all or almighty or powerful, powerful. And if you put like, if you divide Jesus' face, in half and then you duplicate it like one side of the face um, looks like a very severe kind of gaze and if you and if you do the other side of the face is like this very um uh, like nice and inviting and and if you look at, at it at the two together you're like this is uneven like the person that was making this icon was probably drunk um <laughs> but it, 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 there is uh, a reason for that because it's like mercy and justice um yeah uh, and it has, yeah, it, yeah I, I, we, I could talk hours <laughs> icons, but. yeah uh, definitely something worth worth exploring more so uh, and, and maybe an essay for 40 before 40 to say it. i know seriously um yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. I'm, I'll, I'll be looking into those. Um, mine, mine, I guess the the like the image or statue of Our Lady. It's along very similar um, ideas. Again, it's it's like just something visual, um, something to a, a reminder specific to Our Lady. I mean, I guess other than the brown scapular, but like we we have the rosary, which are the prayers. Um, but then we have the, the the crucifix, which is the the image. So it's kind yeah. of it like having an image of Our Lady is kind of completing uh, uh, one aspect of kind of um, Christ's teaching. Like it was Him and His passion and His 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 teaching. But then He was followed always closely by His mother. Um, so I like the thought of having them together and having an image for them. So um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So okay. So we've got to number four, and we're starting to see slightly something slightly different. I'm really curious what your number five is. Um, a relic. Ooh, rel Oh man. Yeah, we're gonna I get into like weird territory here. Excellent. <laughs> so, um, so, 
Uh, yeah. I, let me just really quickly. Mine, I said saint cards. Because saint like, cards. Yeah. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. But what so are you have familiar with relics? Uh, loosely. Um, I have, uh, I know there's uh, degrees. Like if you have a first degree relic, you've got like a body part of a, of a saint or yes. some, something like that. It could be hair, uh, bone, tissue, or uh, bone or tissue, like skin usually. Um, blood would be like first class relics. Very difficult to get. <laughs> yeah. um, very weird. But, you know, um, they exist. Um, and uh, and then second class relic would be a personal item that the saint or blessed uh, would have used in their lifetime. So, um, you know, that we have, uh, uh, let me think about this. So I have a second class relic of Blessed Solanus Casey, um, a Capuchin priest from Wisconsin that was beatified a number of years ago. I want to say 2015. So I have a, a, a little piece of the habit that he was wearing um, when he was buried. So they exhumed his body um, when they were going to do the beatification mass and that habit, they turned it into a bunch of um, second-class relics. And I was lucky enough to receive one as a gift. Um yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then a third class relic would be something that was touched to a second or first class relic. Wow. I think um, I had, uh, uh, there were some, some first class relics that were kind of on a tour and that came by my parish in, um, or came, you know, by the diocese in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And someone at my parish had, had brought a bunch of miraculous medals and and touched them to some of these relics. So I forget exactly which they are. They've got a little piece of paper kind of explaining what's going on, but I guess those would be third-class relics. Yes. Um, yeah, technically my rosary is a, is a uh, third-class relic of St. Padre Pio because my priest or my previous pastor has uh, had a, a first or second-class relic of St. Padre Pio. Now there there is a, there are several truth churches in in Arizona or in the Phoenix metro area that have reliquariums um, mm. in the in the diocesan center in Phoenix they have um, uh, relics of the holy family so they have like a speck tiny speck of like what is meant to be St. Joseph's tunic and wow. Our Lady's tunic and like a little fragment of the uh, of the cross, I think. That's <laughs> wild. Think it is mind blowing. Um, when you when you go down that rabbit hole, um, it, it it really was just to make uh, the distinction. We are not venerating the thing; we are uh, venerating the life of that person. What they 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 followed Christ and they they went they won the race, right? Um, so I think that a, a relic for me, like I would take my my relic of blessed Solanus Casey, hopefully Saint Solanus Casey one day when he gets a second miracle <laughs> approved, um, because he has he has been a good friend to me. Wow! In, in oh, the so. Um, 
First of all, he has an amazing beard. Um, huh. He had an amazing beard. So uh, I don't know. I don't know yeah. about you, but uh, yeah. he. I don't know. He spoke to me. My my spiritual director introduced me to him because he had a little statue of Solanus on his desk when I would go uh, talk to him. And um, are you, do you know his story at all? No, I don't. I've heard the name before, and I'm, but it completely alien to me, and for probably for for many people listening. So, what what is what can tell us a little bit about his story? So, um, he was born in Wisconsin. Uh, he was one of sixteen uh, children, and his family had a farm, but eventually had to uh, go into like Michigan in order to find jobs because they had to sell the, the, the farm. They had a couple of bad years and they, they had to sell it. Um, so he started looking in, into jobs to do. And eventually one day he saw um, a man like beating up a, a, a lady when he was like a, a trolley conductor. And that was the moment that he's like, I need to do something to offset the bad in the world. And he immediately thought of religious life or becoming a priest. Um, he wow. went to seminary, but the classes in the seminary were in German and Latin, which he didn't speak. So um, he didn't have very good grace, grades, but it's debatable whether it was because he was not intelligent or because he didn't spoke the languages. So they, they nudged them to religious orders and they told him that he might have better luck uh, <laughs> in becoming a religious. So he prayed a novena to Our Lady that um, when Our Lady told him, go to Detroit. And in Detroit, where the Capuchins, uh, and fun fact, he didn't like the fact that the Capuchins uh, had beards as part of like their, their, their rule, their constitution, to wear the beard. Um, and then... Wow he ended up having like this amazing white beard that if you see a picture of him, you'd be like, that's a good beard. I'll um, include in the, in the post. <laughs> so then he goes to Detroit on like, he enters the, the, the monastery on, um, on Christmas day in the 18 something. Um, and he, he never pursued the priesthood because, you know, Capuchins, Franciscans, they can be brothers, but they don't necessarily need to be ordained as deacons or priests. But um, he got ordained as a priest simplex, which meant that he could celebrate mass, but he couldn't preach in public and he couldn't hear confessions. So there's a lot of humility already from Solanus accepting that. Um, so he would do things that lay people would do, like organizing the the altar servers or like doing all these things and he was the porter of the uh, monastery so people would come and ask to talk to a priest so he would talk to them because he because he didn't he couldn't do confessions he couldn't do preaching so he had all this time to to talk to people and um and he would pray with them and, and talk to them and never rushed anybody's and, and he started to through the intercession of Blessed Solanus, he would pray with people with the relic of the of the Holy Cross, actually. Um, and uh, people started reporting um, miracles, like healings and, you know, things that they needed were conceded to, to these people that were going to Solanus. So he started to get, like, this fame 
of like a miracle worker kind of thing, kind of like Andre Andreva said with Saint Joseph's oil, um, to the point where his um, uh, his superiors were like, "You need to start writing down the the petitions from the people that are coming to see you, and then if they come back and they say that they uh, got their favor received through your intercession." Um, you need to write it down, the dates and whatnot. And he, there are like notebooks, plural, filled with all of these um, miracles. Allegedly, this is supposed to be more than the miracles reported in uh, in Lords, something like that. Wow, A yeah, Lords. Yeah, there's there's some fun stories. Um, like uh, there was like this miracle of the ice cream that didn't melt. Like someone came back and was like, "Hey, I got the job that I that we were praying for," and he's like, "Well, that calls for a celebration." And he opens a drawer in his desk and produces like two perfectly frosty cones of ice cream that someone had brought him like hours before. You know, think little things like that. Wow, that's so, that. What 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 a fascinating scene! Sounds like someone who is kind of hit every branch of the of the tree while he's like trying to find his faith and <laughs> yes. like, uh, uh, ends up being a miracle worker. So that's, it, it's just, it's, it's a good reminder of how um, Christ elevates the humble and uh, uh, who, whoever's, uh, whoever's last shall be first, that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. He's a good one to, to be friends with. For sure. I'll tell everybody that the, 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 that lends me an ear. I'll I'll, I'll chew the, their ear off about Solanus. <laughs> well, if you've got a if you've got a second class relic of uh, uh, Blessed Solanus, uh, then like you're, I guess that makes you a third class relic. So you're kind of working on sort his of? beatification kind of yeah. through. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's amazing, and I think that's that's a great thing. Relics are a great thing for um, kind of the desert island scenario, just for kind of bringing that the reality of the saints to life almost like mm -hmm. having having a piece of their tunic reminds us that they're not like abstractions they were on earth they wore clothes um, yes and that's just, i don't know that's just the, the fact that you mentioned uh, uh one of the reliquaries in um phoenix has a has a piece of the tunic of mary and joseph that just boggles my mind that we've got a piece of their clothing from two thousand years ago i know it's just it makes it very tangible and real. So that so that's a that's a great um, great addition to this list. Um, and I think uh, so. For mine, the the, the saint cards. Um, the thing that I like about saint cards is both the, the diversity of the images, but very often they have prayers on the on the reverse side of them. So right. you get a combination of like like different saints, and I guess it's it's similar to what you're describing here with the relics. Is it's like reminders of these the lives of the other other people who lived the faith life that we are trying to live. They've done it. They've won the race. We are trying to do what they did. So reminding us ourselves of their lives and and praying their prayers um, is a good way to do that. So that's just that that was my thought process there. But I think I I totally forgot about relics. I, man, I <laughs> I I, I want to change mine, but. <laughs> can I, uh, speaking of saint cards, can I do a callback to how we started the conversation? Please, please do. So, uh, Japanese uh, blessed, he's a blessed right now. Um, do you know who uh, Justo 
Takayama Ukon was? I do not. Jusu Takayama was a uh, Japanese samurai who converted to Catholicism. Wow. And uh, he would be, he would go up to people and be like, convert to Catholicism or die. You know, so he was laying, slaying people that wouldn't convert. And the Jesuits were like, uh, we don't do that that way. You have to stop doing that. Um, so he stopped killing people when they didn't convert to Catholicism. And then, um, unfortunately, he was uh, killed a couple of months after that. And so he was martyred. He, he, wow. he was martyred because of, of, of him adopting the, the Catholic faith and not denying it. So um, eventually, when he becomes canonized, he will be Saint Justo Takayama, the first Catholic samurai. Isn't oh, that crazy? That's amazing. That's like, uh, when, Yeah, go ahead. When I told my, my seven-year-old about it, he was like, we could have a Saint Samurai. I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> How sweet is that? <laughs> It, it reminds me of uh, the story of Paul, you know, like someone who went from persecuting for for kind of for the the uh, uh, first century uh, temple Judaism yeah. uh, to becoming to, to becoming Christian and becoming kind of you turning that zeal for Christ um, instead. And so that's kind of it's cool to see that I, I'm going to have to look him up, too, right? um, because that's Saint Samurai. Just what a what a title. I know. But, but yeah, that would be a good one to have. I'm I'm like already thinking about like the design for his uh, holy card. I don't know oh. if there is one yet, but it you would be really fun. Salivating over that, <laughs> dude. That could also be like a prompt for for a story. Yeah. Oh, um, I I don't. I, you 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 know I'm always harvesting uh, uh, story prompts. Yeah. Think, put a pin on that one. I'm definitely, definitely for sure. Um, well, okay. I mean, so we've got our our, our list of five um, items for when we get, uh, uh, you know, if if we get not when um, stranded on a desert island and how we're going to keep the faith alive. So, just to, to to recap your list, you had the crucifix, the rosary, the brown scapular, icons, and relics. And Correct. the really only thing that I had different was that at four and five I had an image of Our Lady or a statue of Our Lady in St. Cards. Which so, hopefully, with the grace of God, we don't ever go into that situation that we are depraved of, of the Eucharist. That would be sad, 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 sad. Yeah. Well, sad, but also not unprecedented in world history. Like we're kind of in a... Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, you mentioned that, but it is, I cannot fathom it, to be honest. Yeah. We have it so easy here in the U.S., <laughs> Well, and and yeah, right now we're it's 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 a blessing, but also um, we got to make sure we remember re remember the the um, the reason for our faith when we're not being persecuted, which can can be be difficult to do. Just being candid, like it's it's yeah. it's hard to remember it's hard to remember the 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 the, the why um, when you're not under the gun to 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 make a choice. Absolutely. Well. Any uh, uh, thoughts for or closing thoughts for for listeners who might be contemplating their own list of five five items to bring to the to their theoretical desert? 
I I would be interested to know what the listeners would bring if they had anything different than our than, than the items that we mentioned. So people can leave comments in in the podcast episode. Yes, yes, they can. Oh, then leave a comment. And what would you bring? That it, something that we didn't mention. That'd be yes. fun. Tell us, tell us what you might bring to a desert. Tell us what kind of items you have in your home. Um, I know um, I've had conversations with folks about holy water. I was wondering if holy water would come up, but that's that's another very popular sacramental. Um, so but, you know, I thought about holy water, but then when you run out, you run out. That, well, actually, no. I think I, I heard somewhere that if you add a little bit of holy water to a vessel of other water, then that becomes holy water. So Does theoretically, it? keep that going. Mm. I don't. I don't know the rules about holy water. It's not a sacramental I have a strong devotion to, but I'm always really curious to hear. So correct once me I, if I'm about the holy water. Once and, I take my canon law class, I, I'll get back to you. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Um, any any canon law experts in the comments, please uh, uh, advise us. <laughs> But, yes, but yeah, like anything else that you guys have, you uh, listeners, anything that you guys have um, in your homes, anything that's valuable to you, anything that you, you know, what what articles of faith do you treasure and that you find help you in your faith life? Or if you have successful like stories evangelizing people or, or even on your own kind of story of conversion, um, what items helped you in your journey? Um, I'm really interested to, to hear about this. And Walter, thank you for, for bringing this quite kind of line of thought up because um it really helps us kind of think about what are the what are the important you know meat and potatoes uh articles of faith um what are the things that really help us on the journey so um, oh you're welcome thank you for having me and um that, yeah that's food for thought for everybody listening just discuss that with your friends with your spouse with your children absolutely well walter it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure to, to have you and i know we could probably talk for for hours more about some of these other items, but um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll cut it off there. And um, I, I really appreciate this time talking with you. So, so thank you very much for being here. You're welcome. <laughs>